Today our text is Luke chapter 2, 22 to 40. I don't know if I'll make it all the way to 40 um, for time's sake, but uh, that's where we're going to be. And uh, light of revelation, we're calling it. We're coming off of a Christmas season. And we're going to look at this uh, story here when Jesus' parents uh, bring him as an infant to the temple to present him to the Lord. And so we'll look at that here this morning. But I wanted to, uh, before I do that, I wanted to set this up by asking a couple of questions because I want you to think about this while we're uh, going through the message. And so the first question is, what are you looking for? And directly related to that is, what are the main passions of your life consist of? What drives you? What gets you up in the morning? Um, it's different uh, from person to person. And, uh, but for some, it can be things like, I, I really, we can be passionate about our home and we would really like to have a, a bigger home or a different home, maybe with more space or better amenities. For some, it's your family. I'm just passionate about my family. We should be passionate about our families. And we're passionate about our kids. A question that I have for you in relation to your kids, uh, would your investment in them mostly reflect their sense of well-being and success? Or would your passion for them mostly uh, reflect their spiritual growth and stability? Remember, they, those two can be related, but they're not the same. Because often spiritual growth requires some suffering and pain. And uh, we sometimes want to shield our kids. Uh, but what's your main passion? So here's a, another one, because uh, I've, I've asked you uh, similar questions to this in the past. But uh, what do you hope for in 2022? Now, maybe we just want to say good riddance to 2021, and that's good enough, you know. Um, but if you're like me, maybe, maybe you're hoping, it seems like every time I'm here I mention COVID, I'm sorry, but isn't that been a pain? I mean, it just, it just won't go away. And maybe, if you're like me, you're hoping that it goes away to, or abates to the point that we stop talking about it. If we could just do that, that would, wouldn't that be wonderful? And uh, not have to consider that anymore. Or maybe things like the economy, which is kind of all over the map right now, maybe you're hoping that it'll stabilize and that we can stop talking about that and, and that the supply chain will fill up again so that when you go to the store, you can actually put your hand on the item you want. Isn't it odd, some of the stuff, when you go to the stores that are out, it's just interesting, but it, not the world I grew up in. Maybe you're uh, hoping that social unrest and civil disturbance uh, quiets down and that we'll just have a quiet 2022, or maybe in a bigger sense, where is America going to be a year from now? What's the state of our nation? Many ways, we're standing in the dark. Us. We don't know. We don't know. What's coming? We may have high hopes, but if you're like me, if you've lived very long, I suspect there's some uh, skepticism in that as well about what may be coming. Our country has uh, declined massively over my lifetime in many ways. A lot of things to be thankful for, incredible technological innovations. It's, in, it's amazing what's being done technologically today. It's in, incredible. 
And yet, most of that is being done from a worldview that has no basis in reality. Actually, it's based in a myth. It's naturalism, and so it's utterly foundationalist. No foundation. And instead, uh, society has uh, uh, turned in on itself. And I've mentioned this to you before. This idea they call expressive individualism where people, that's us, because we all are significantly impacted by this. But the younger you are, the more you're impacted by it. And that's the turning in on the self where the center of my world is me. And how I feel is what drives me. That's my passion, how I feel. And things are, are viewed as right or uh, hurtful or not by how I feel. It's very much a feeling-based point of view. And the center, then, of the world becomes the self. What are your main passions? We're going to look now at a story here, an account of the infant Christ, and we're going to see a man named Simeon. A few verses here that Simeon is mentioned. It's the only account of him in the Bible. Shows up, handful of verses, gone. And the thing that we remember him for is the passion that drove him in his life. It's if I could just see the Messiah, then my life is fulfilled and I can depart in peace song here. There's uh, at North Park this uh, Christmas season, we did a series called uh, about the songs of Christmas. And so Mary's Magnificat back there in chapter one and Zechariah's song and, uh, and so on. And today this uh, verse 29 through 32, and we'll get there in a minute. We've got some other stuff to talk about first, but Nunc Dimittis. The Latin ordering of the words, Nunc Dimittis, now let depart. That's the song of Simeon. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. But we want to first start out with a look at his parents. Because one of the things that Jesus will say later in his life in Matthew 5.17 is, Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill all the law. And so we're going to look now in these first few verses that I'm going to read and we'll see how even his parents fulfilled all the jots and tittles of the law in relation to the infant Christ so that from the very beginning, Jesus came to fulfill all of the law. So let me read for us. I'm going to read this as chunks, in chunks as we go along uh, and then, uh, then we'll go back and look at it. So from verse 21 through 24, when the eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. We'll stop there a second. You remember Mary, young teenage girl, angel Gabriel appears to her, it's there in chapter 1, and tells her that she's going to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And when, you, when this child is born, you will name him Jesus. And so, verse 21, uh, Jesus or the child is named Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's named Jesus, verse 22. When the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, 
or two young pigeons. Now, it's very interesting here, this young couple now. Mary, probably a teenage girl. Joseph, a young man. We don't know how old, but um, they have this child. And there, there is, according to the law, the days of their purification. And then verse 23, every firstborn male that opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. In uh, Exodus 13:2, sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast, it belongs to me. Interesting detail here. You remember the destroying angel went out uh, when the children of Israel were there in Egypt and killed all the firstborn of Egypt, man and beast, except for the children of Israel, blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, and he passed them over. Before the account goes on and talks about crossing the Red Sea and all the amazing stuff, God says, sanctify to me every firstborn, the firstborn of every womb among the sons of Israel, man and beast, it belongs to me. He says, never forget what happened here. When he passed over your firstborn, never forget. And so it is in the law of the Lord that the firstborn, uh, as uh, the text there in verse 23, the firstborn male that opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And there is, we'll see in a minute here, there's a five shekel uh, temple tax that has to be paid to redeem the firstborn son. And we'll, we'll see that here in a second. So verse uh, 24. 22 then, the days of their purification. Now it's interesting as the account goes down there to verse 25, to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now this issue of purification, uh, this isn't our main topic, but it's interesting. Under the law, uh, when a woman had a child, for a male child, it was 40 days for her purification. For a female child, it, it was 80 days. Interesting. Theologians talk about the, you know, the why the difference, but not our point here, but 40 days. So we know that when they brought Jesus to the temple, he was at least 40 days old. Because for Mary's purification, she had to wait at least 40 days before bringing her sacrifices to the temple. So we know that this is at least 40 days after Jesus was born, perhaps more. And they bring him to the temple. Now in uh, uh, Leviticus 12, uh, it says this, 12.6, When the days of her purification are completed for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of, of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. She shall bring a one-year-old lamb. But our text says in verse 24, that she's going to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Go a little farther in Leviticus 12.8. If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priests shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. The point is this was a poor couple. This afternoon, read Philippians chapter 2, the uh, kenosis passage there it's called, but it's the emptying of Christ, the humiliation of the second person of the Trinity who became man. And consider uh, what God has done. And so 
even in coming, we might say that the uh, king of the universe should be born in a palace and displace Caesar and behold your God. No, Jesus is born, he's laid in a trough, and he's born to poor people. And that's not to disparage the poor by any means, because we know that Jesus lifts up the poor. It's simply he aligns himself, he identifies himself with the poorest among us, and that's Mary and Joseph. They bring the sacrifice of the poor to the temple for redemption. Very interesting. Jesus said, I do not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Then there's Simeon. Let's look at this, verse 25 to 28. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when their parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him in his arms and blessed God. Simeon, there in verse 25, this man was righteous and devout. He's declared righteous in Scripture to be declared righteous. This is a man who is justified before God. Justification is by faith. Remember Abraham? Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. Simeon is declared a righteous man. This is a God-fearer. This is one who's totally submitted to the will of his God and is devout and focused on Yahweh, his God, and on his service. And he's looking for the consolation of Israel, the comfort of Israel. He's looking for the Messiah, the one who will come and throw off our oppressors, the one who will sit on David's throne and rule forever and ever, the one that the prophets talked about, the consolation of Israel and his longing. See, we don't know much about Simeon. Was he a farmer? We don't know. Was he a tradesman? We don't know. He was a prophet. We know that from what he's going to share here. Beyond that, we have no record, but his main passion in his life was to see the Messiah. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It was the focus of his life. And he comes into the temple. Now, this is interesting. Let's, let's put up that uh, illustration of the temple. So, this is not the best illustration, but it's not a bad one either. This is Herod's temple. Around the outside, all the way around the outside, you've got this enclosed walkway, but, but you've got this little low wall, and all the way around the outside is the court of the Gentiles. And there were pass, passageways up into the temple proper, and there were markers here that on pains of death, the Gentile will go any further. In other words, this was Jews only. And back here, this would be the temple proper and the Holy of Holies in this uh, room here, a perfect cube, length, width, height, the same. And the Ark of the Covenant, that's where it would have went. And in the front of the temple, in here, the altar of incense and the uh, candle stand and the showbread over on this side and around the outside, the court of the priests and then the court of the men and then the court of the women. 
Almost certainly, right here is where Simeon met Mary and Joseph because Mary would not have been allowed to go any farther in. Would have met them in the temple. And it would be here, probably in the court of the women. Probably. They, they, they say that there were great horn-shaped receptacles for the offering as people would bring in their offerings and temple taxes. To, there were places to put those, to give that offering. Remember Jesus and the widow's mite? He was watching people dropping their offerings in. Probably one of those great horn-shaped receptacles. And almost certainly in one of those is where Mary and Joseph would have deposited their uh, five-shekel uh, Tax, if you will, to redeem the male child. Numbers 18, 15, and 16 talks about that for the firstborn son. And probably there would have been a temple official. Okay, you're a young couple. You come to the temple. You have one firstborn. What do I do? Where do I stand? Uh, What do I say? So there's somebody there to help you. Here's where you go. Here's where you give your offering. Verify that you did it, that you put it in the right place. And pay that five shekel tax. And it's here, in the court of the women, most likely, where the old prophet enters the circle around the Christ child. Maybe the altar would have been right over in this area. Maybe Mary was allowed to stand here and to watch as they offered her purification sacrifice. Maybe that's when Simeon walked up and he looks at them and they're holding the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And right over there, at that moment, maybe they're sacrificing the purification. The picture is incredible. The infant Christ, as Simeon comes with eyes to see that nobody else there had. Remember from Mary and Joseph, this is a growing revelation. It's a growing revelation. They didn't get it all in one shot. And then they're holding the ultimate sacrifice, the one who would save his people from their sins and redeem his people Israel. It's an amazing and powerful picture. Verse 28, Then he took him into his arms and blessed God. And we see the old prophet pick up the Christ child and he's looking. And right here is the Savior of the world. God in the flesh. Verse 26, Got to find my spot here. I'm sorry. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, and here he is holding him. Amazing. Savior of the world. Verse 29 to 32. Now, Lord, he's holding the Christ child. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. That's, it's very interesting here now in verse 29. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant. That word for Lord. 
Here, uh, today I'm using the New American Standard. Most of the time uh, when I'm here I use ESV. Today, New American Standard. In the New American Standard, in the New Testament, the word Lord, capital L, lowercase o-r-d, is used 662 times. 644 times it is the word kurios that is used, uh, that is the Greek word translated Lord. And that's notable only it's a very common word for Lord. Then there are a handful of other words that are translated Lord. In this case, when he says, now Lord, now despotes, that word despotes is used three times in the New Testament. Now Lord, or now despotes, now despot. That's where we get our word despot. You are releasing your bondservant, bondservant, doulos, manslave. Now despot. You are releasing your man-slave to depart in peace according to your word. Simeon sees himself as one whose will is in utter subjection to his master and he has waited on him with a heart for service to the desires of his master. It's the total focus of his life. It's now fulfilled. I can go in peace. A little while later, Jesus during his ministry, Luke 17.10, talking to his disciples, he said, So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We've only done what we ought to have done. See, God can't ask too much of us. And whatever we get to do for him is a privilege and it's an honor to serve him. And we get to be his servants. This, uh, this word doulos or bondservant, you'll see that used a lot in the New Testament. Paul applied it to himself often in other places. Verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. Yeah, he's looking right at it. <laughs> Jesus here, the infant Christ, but he has eyes to see what's coming. And that's where we see he's a prophet. He knows. And this infant is ultimately going to save his people from their sins. It's interesting, uh, Isaiah, in many places there's uh, prophecies in Isaiah regarding the Christ and uh, the infant, but also the the grown Christ and even things that have not yet been fulfilled. But in uh, Isaiah 52.10, the Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations that all the ends of the earth, look, may see the salvation of of our God, Simeon standing there holding him. <laughs> Jesus is salvation. And my eyes have seen your salvation. And Isaiah the prophet says that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our gods. It's interesting, uh, and in another place, verse 31 here, you have prepared in the presence of all, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Isaiah in 45, 22, he says, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. This Christ child, this event of what has happened here is for everybody. All the earth. Remember, to this point, verse 32, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. Remember, to this point, the message of 
redemption of living uh, in the presence of God was mainly for the Jews. From the time of Noah till you get to Christ, God's talking primarily to the Jews. Gentiles could come. There was a way for them to come. But by and large, God is talking to the Jews. And now, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's talking to everybody. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And he's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Paul, 55 years or so from now, is going to be standing before King Agrippa. And in a few days, perhaps, he's going to be put on a ship and sent to Rome to be on trial for his life. And he's standing before Agrippa, and he tells him the story of how the light had blinded him on that Damascus road, and uh, how the Lord had spoke to him directly. And in uh, Acts 26, 17 to 18, the Lord says, rescuing you from the Jewish people, and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Opening their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light. And here Simeon holds this little child that's going to do that. Amazing. This revelation, the light of revelation to the Gentiles is for everybody. And so it's the gospel that we preach, that we sang about this morning, and and that we get to share with others. It's an amazing, amazing thing that is happening here. Verse 33. His father and mother were amazed at the things that were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to his Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. His father and a mother were amazed. Yeah, you think? We already mentioned, you remember, just several months ago, the angel Gabriel appeared to uh, Mary. You're going to have a child by the Holy Spirit. And if nobody in the world believed where that baby came from, she knew. And the Holy Spirit, amazing. Joseph, he's got a problem. I've got this girl that I'm betrothed for marriage, and and now she's with child, and and I I, want to put her away, but I I don't want to disgrace her. What do I do? And so the Lord appears to him in a dream. It's okay, take her as your wife. The child is of the Holy Spirit. And then, he's born in a trough, and then there's these these shepherds, they come in and they're talking about angels and singing. I mean, these people are being blown away. And this old man stands there and holds their child and says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Amazed. This point... Joseph drops out of the narrative. We don't hear any more of him. But Mary, if you do a careful reading through the book of Luke, you'll see here and there where things happen and Mary pondered these things in her heart or Mary treasured these things 
in her heart. And then you get all the way down to the end of the story and she's going to stand in front of a cross and watch her son die. And a few days later, she's going to be in an upper room with the apostles because they've seen the risen Christ and they just got back from watching him ascend into heaven. A sword will pierce your own soul. As she learns that the relationship of this mother with her child will be unlike any other over her lifetime. And as Jesus grows into manhood and his public ministry happens, there's a a distancing or a, a change in relationship with Jesus and his mother. A sword will pierce your own soul. Mary would ultimately have to look to her son Christ for salvation from sin. Like you and I, Mary was a sinner who needed to be saved by grace. And praise God for that. I believe we will see her in heaven. Very special lady. Only one mom, right? Very special lady. Sinner saved by grace. Amazing story. Paul talked about this a little bit uh, in verse 34. This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and a sign to be opposed. Paul talked about this a little bit in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23. We preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block to Gentiles' foolishness, this whole thing of the gospel. He will be assigned to be opposed. Remember, Jesus is never on trial. When he stood before Pilate, and Pilate, don't you know I have the power to release you or to have you killed? Jesus said, you would have no authority except my Father gave it to you. And even at that moment, Jesus was not on trial. Pilate was. We are on trial. Will we submit and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he paid the penalty for sin and offers salvation to the world? We're the ones that are on trial, not the Lord. Well, there's more to say, but we need to start to pull this together a little bit and maybe do some application Uh, of what we've been talking about here. So we've just come through a Christmas season. We're on the threshold of a new year. 2022, don't know what it's going to bring. But here's my first question for you. We'll, We'll get back to our original question in a moment. But this is the first one. Instead of just a baby at Christmas, do you know this Jesus as Savior and Lord? You know, the holidays, we've got traditions, both cultural traditions and families have traditions, which are great. And, you know, we we get really, uh, we get the warm fuzzies from some of that and nothing wrong with our traditions. Bottom line, do you know this Jesus as Savior and Lord? Peter preached a sermon there in Acts 2, Pentecost. And when he's done preaching, the people say, what do we do? 
They're convicted of sin. What do we do? Peter says in Acts 2.38 and 39, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as the many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Repent. What do I do? Repent. A little later on in Acts chapter 16, Remember Paul and Silas, the Philippian jailer? Acts 16, verse uh, 30 and 31, after he, after the jailer brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. What do I do? Repent and believe. That's what it's all about. This Jesus as the prophet Simeon saw, would grow into a man and in his manhood, he would confront the world and then he would be killed and then he would be resurrected from the dead, shedding his own blood to pay the penalty for the sins of his people. Do you know Jesus as Savior and Lord? That's our primary goal for all of us here in this room. If you're online, man, we'd love to help you with that if you need it. Uh, Any one of us, multiple people here, I'm sure, would be glad to help you know the Lord. As would Pastor John, myself, come to Jesus. He's more than just a baby at Christmas time. We've got to return, number two, to our original question. What do the main passions of your life consist of? What is it you're looking for? It's good to have goals, passions. We've got a lot of them. But what is your main passion? Jesus. Again, Luke 12, 15, talking to his people, he said, Beware, be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Be on guard against every form of greed. It's not just my stuff. It's not just what I earn, my money. It can be position. It can be prominence. It can be, name it, fill in the blank. Jesus says, it can be our children. And Jesus says, beware. He goes on in verse 34 and he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is your main passion? Is your main passion to know the Lord better? To serve him in every way? Our third question will tie directly to it, maybe help us a little bit to think about this. Do you long for heaven? Do you long for heaven? Heaven is where Jesus is. Heaven is his presence. It's fellowship with him. And we believe that someday he's coming back for his people. And someday he's setting up a kingdom where he's going to rule forever And ever, no more death, no more sorrow, no more diseases, no more pain, no more fear. Heaven. Do you long for heaven? Paul talking to Titus or writing to Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly, in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing 
of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, do you long for heaven? Heaven is where Jesus is. And someday, if you know him, you're going to be in his very presence and know what that is like. Light of revelation. Amazing. This little infant comes to earth, born in the normal way as, as children are born, lives among us, fulfills every jot and tittle of the law, perfect life before his father, dies for us, resurrected to life, ascends to heaven to save us from our sins. Jesus truly is the light of revelation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, uh, thank you for disclosing yourself to us, for helping us to know who you are. And Lord, as we've looked into your word today in some small way to be reminded of the true and greatest revelation of the living God that was given in the incarnation of Jesus Christ where God became man. 